0: There is a final judgment to come. It is a judgment that is eternal and irrevocable. And it is a judgment that is frightful and fearful. We'll explore that judgment next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. If ever there was a black backdrop for the brilliance of the diamond we know as the gospel, it is this passage we have before us today in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. It's a look at the great white throne judgment. There is going to come a point when we all must stand and give an account before God as to how we lived our lives and who we lived it for. And here at the white throne judgment, we have those who decided to live against God. This is a very sober passage of Scripture that we're exploring today. We invite you to spend time with us. Here's Pastor Gary and this edition of Abounding Grace.
1: How will God judge the pagan that has never heard the gospel before? By his revealed will written on the pagan's conscience, which though it is no longer clear, the unbelieving pagan does not heed to his conscience. What about the Jew? The Jews will be saved by the law, capital L, that's written in the Old Testament. Well, what about the professed Christian? To whom much is given, much is required. And the professed Christian will not only be judged by the law written on his conscience and by the laws of the Old Testament, but also by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is why, beloved, you want to pay close attention To the preaching of the word of God. And make sure your children do. And that they believe it. Because when they stand before God. They are going to be judged more severely than anyone else. Not only with reference to the law on their consciences. To the laws of the Old Testament. Whether someone professes to believe them or not. But to all of the moral principles of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as well. That is the standard of our judgment, friends. Now, secondly, the standard of judgment will be the revealed will of God on the day of judgment. And the sentence will be rendered according to works and according to behavior. That once we stand before God at the end of time, we are going to be judged and sent. And our sentences will be determined by how we have behaved. Whether or not in our thoughts. Our words and deeds we have taken seriously and obeyed the law of God. Now, before I explain that, I'm going to take a look at a few scriptures to see if that is what the Bible actually teaches. Now, bear with me. I know this is rubbing some of you a little rough here. But listen, turn to Romans chapter 2, and I'll begin reading in verse 5. But because of your stubbornness, And unrepentant heart. You are storing wrath up for yourselves. In the day of wrath. And revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Who will render to each person. According to his deeds. Or behavior. To those who by perseverance in doing good, seek for glory and honor and immortality, they shall be given eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they shall be given wrath and indignation. So here you have a clear statement that on judgment day, everyone, Christian and non-Christian, will be judged according to his behavior. And those on judgment day who have persevered in obeying God and seeking his honor and glory, they shall be given eternal life. And those who have lived for themselves and disregarded the truth and misbehaved, did not obey the law of God, but were a law unto themselves, they shall be judged with wrath and indignation. Now turn to Romans 14, and I'll begin with verse 10. <clears throat> Romans 14, verse 10. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? And he's talking to Christians here now. For we, Christians, shall all stand before the judgment seat of God, which is the great white throne judgment. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to me. So then, one of us and then each of us shall give an account for himself to God look at ecclesiastes 12 and i'll read verses 13 and 14 <clears throat> ecclesiastes 12:13 and 14 the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment and every, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And Romans 14 says, we, speaking of Christians, must all be- appear before the judgment seat of God. These phrases are used, of course, as I said, interchangeably, even though dispensationalists want to drive that wedge between them. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now turn to Matthew chapter 12. I'm trying to show you that this is a common theme throughout Scripture. Judgment by works at the end of time. You will be judged for your behavior. Matthew twelve thirty six and 37. And I say to you that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Then Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the son of God comes in his glory and all of the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, of course, again, symbolizing sovereignty and judgment, and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put his sheep on the right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Then he goes on, and he says in verse 40. And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did to me. Then he will also say to those on the left, depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. So here you have a picture of judgment day. The sheep and the goats are before Christ and Christ renders his sentence based upon their behavior and their good works and their charity to other people. Now, let's look at one more. First Corinthians chapter four, verse five. Therefore. Do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. So you have seen a variety of words from Revelation 20 through the Old and New Testaments that someday when we all stand before God on Judgment Day, He will render a verdict with reference to us according to how we behave. According to whether or not we have been faithful to the law and the gospel and to God's revealed will. Now, whatever we do with that, it is obvious that is what the Bible teaches over and over and over. Now, if you are thinking at all, I trust you're having a little problem. And that is, how do you harmonize justification by faith alone and not by works with judgment by works at the end of time? Of course, they seem to be contrary to each other, right? I mean, one of the great emphasis of Romans and the book of Galatians, which is of great emphasis throughout the history of the Reformation, is that our sins are forgiven And we are accepted with God through faith in Christ and his works and not through faithful obedience to the law of God. Faithful obedience to the law of God has its place, but we are justified through faith in Christ alone and not according to our behavior. And now we find that when we all stand before God, we're going to be judged according to our behavior. Whether we have been justified in Christ or whether we have not, all men, all human beings shall be judged according to their behavior as to whether or not in thought, word, and deed, they were faithful to God's revealed will. Now, there is, is there a contradiction here or not? And of course, there is no contradiction when you understand certain things. You've got to listen carefully to this quote. This is the best quote I know of in explaining the harmony between justification by faith and judgments by work. And it was written by a man named Robert Shaw. This man wrote a great book called The Reformed Faith, simply The Reformed Faith. And another, The Exposition of the Westminster Confession of Faith, which I definitely believe is the best exposition on the confession ever written. But please listen carefully to this quote. The good works of the righteous, the believer, will be produced in that day, not as the grounds or bases of their acquittal and of their being judged to eternal life, but as the evidences of their gracious state as being interested in or having a share in the righteousness of Christ. So the good works on Judgment Day are not the grounds of our acquittal, but the evidences of our gracious state. But the evil deeds of the wicked will be brought forward, not only as evidences of their being strangers to Christ, but also as the grounds or the bases of their condemnation. So here is how you put justification by faith alone in harmony with justification by works and behavior at the end of time. Remember these two words, evidences and grounds. The good works, the faithful behavior of God's elect on judgment day, are sure and certain evidences that a person is really born of God and that he belongs to God, because no one is going to have any behavior that is pleasing to God unless it is those who have been regenerated and saved by grace. Because as Romans 8 says, that those who are in the flesh cannot ever please God. So on judgment day, the reprobate, the non elect, the unbeliever, will have no good works on his side. He can do whatever whatsoever to please God but he won't obey God he won't obey God because he is spiritually dead so the fact that the believers who stand before God have a life of obedience to God though not perfectly is evidence that they are really born of God because only those who are born of God can do anything that is good now they are evidences of their new life but they're not the basis Of their acceptance with God. The fact that they have done good works is evidence that they are Christians, but it is not the basis for their acquittal. The basis for their acquittal or judgment is what? It is Christ and His life and His finished work on the cross. The moment you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have credited to your account the perfect life and atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the basis of your acceptance with God. You're not saved even because you believe. Faith is simply the instrument that receives Christ. You're saved. Your sins are forgiven. You're justified because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the grounds and the basis of your acceptance on judgment day. So the good works you have performed as a believer will be the evidence that you are a true Christian. Because only true Christians are able to do anything good, though not perfectly. But the reason God is going to save you on that day. And the basis for your acceptance will not be the fact that you have done good deeds. It will be the fact of the life and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ in your place credited to your account. On the other side, the evidence of rebellion in the unbeliever, the depravity that dominates his life so that he has never done anything to please God, is evidence that he is really lost. He has never done anything to please God. He has never obeyed God. It says even the plowing of the wicked is evil. And all of that is evidence that these people are not Christians. They may have faked being Christians. They may have been members of the church. But they remained in their depravity. And they were never converted. And their depraved life is certain evidence that they have never believed. And their depraved life is also the grounds for their condemnation. In the Christian, the good works is evidence that he is a Christian. But the basis of his acceptance is not his works, it is Christ. Whereas on Judgment Day, the unbeliever in his depravity is evidence that he is not a Christian and is also the reason God is going to condemn him to hell. It is also the basis of his eternal condemnation. So if you can remember these ideas of evidence and grounds, it will help you see how salvation by faith can be harmonized with justification by works. On judgment day, God's not going to ask you, did you make a profession of faith? God is going to look at your life and see how you have behaved. And if there is any obedience at all, however small, It is only because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it is evidence that you are one of God's people. And on the basis of the life, death, and life and death of Christ, He acquits you forever. But no matter how many times you've made a profession of faith, no matter how many times you've been baptized, no matter how many times your ancestors were Christians, or how many of them were Christians, If you stand before God and your life is one of depravity, void of good works, that is certain evidence that you were never a Christian at all. And on that basis, God will condemn you throughout all eternity. Now, this is such an important subject. That if any of you do not get what I've just told you, And you'd like me to explain it to you quickly. See me after worship service, and I will be more than glad to do that. We are saved by faith alone, not by works or behavior. But on Judgment Day, we will be acquitted by our behavior. When God judges us, he will see how we have behaved. And if your behavior has any goodness or righteousness in it at all, it is only because we are new creatures in Christ and hence proof that we are true Christians. But when God looks at the life of the unbeliever and sees depravity and no goodness, it is not only certain evidence that he is not a Christian, but because the wages of sin is death, that depravity that God sees in the heart of the unbeliever is the basis of his everlasting condemnation. So in the Bible, as well as in the Reformed faith, faith is indispensable. If you don't have faith, you will never have your sins forgiven and be adopted into the family of God. You'll never be able to produce any good works. Also, in the Reformed faith, obedience to God's law in the Bible, to one's conscience and to the gospel and its moral principles, is also vitally important because on Judgment Day, if there is no obedience to God's law at all in your life, it is proof you never had faith. Because faith without works is dead. If you have true faith, it will show itself, most particularly it will show itself on judgment day in the way you have believed or behaved during your life. No matter whether you confess to be a Christian or not, no matter whether you were baptized, no matter whether your parents are or were Christians, whatever you have professed, If you stand before God at the end of time and you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But your life has been one of depravity, void of good works. That is evidence you were never a Christian at all, no matter what you profess. And on the basis of that depraved life, God will condemn you throughout all eternity. And if you want to learn more on this subject than I I'll uh, ask you to please read that great book that I mentioned earlier by Robert Shaw. Now let me conclude quickly. This all means that all human actions, all human actions are of great significance and have great consequences. That is, everything you do in life is important. Every thought you think Every word you speak, every relationship you enter into, every aspect of your behavior in this life is of eternal significance. Because you will stand before God someday, whether you believe it or not, and be judged according to your behavior. The second thing all of this means is that evil will not triumph on earth. The final judgment must be seen as the climax of Christ's redemptive judgment throughout history. We have seen that Christ intervenes in the history by his providence and by his spirit to condemn and destroy his enemies and to rescue, rescue and exalt his people. And that process shall continue until that judgment day when it all will be completed And it will be the climax of Christ's total victory and the final judgment of all of his enemies. Thereafter, every single one of his enemies and all unbelievers will be in hell and the rest of us with our perfected bodies and souls in the enjoyment of a perfectly renewed universe. Uh, Let me end by giving you four purposes of the great white throne judgment. Why is God going to have a judgment day at the end of time? One, to vindicate his name. Two, to consummate his victory. Three, to manifest his sons and daughters. Four, to display God's glory the glory of his grace in the salvation of the elect and the glory of his justice in the damnation of the wicked. So my final words to you today are, Oh, believe in Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, behave in such a way that is consistent with your faith in obedience to God for the pleasure and the honor and the glory of God. God, not because you will be left behind, but because someday you are going to have to stand before God Almighty and be judged. Amen.
0: is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, four zero two.